1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. In 1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. Hello and welcome to episode 118 of the 77 Club. Your pundits this week are Harry Mansell. Hello everyone. And Tom Rouse from the old Gold and Black. Hello, everyone. Harry, start with our socials. The Wall 77 Club on Facebook and Instagram. At 77 Club Podcast on Twitter. And Tom, the old Gold and Black's gone, isn't it? He's now Rouse uh, every weekend, everybody. Yeah, Rouse every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> or Tom Rouse on YouTube. <laughs> there we go excellent Um, well guys I think it's going to be a little bit of therapy it feels like uh, I don't know is it worse than the semi-final defeat obviously we don't talk about that Um, Harry when the team came through I think everyone was quite surprised that Traore was starting he did start he did what Traore does best he (laughs) broke free winning a penalty and you think hello this is the perfect start to to the tie yeah well when I saw the team first of all I wasn't happy with the team I wasn't because when we played that sort of similar team against Arsenal and we lost 2-0, it did not work at all. But I was proven wrong because we started off well, didn't we, first 15 minutes. We knew what the tactics were going to be as soon as we saw the team. Sit back, soak up the pressure, try and nick a goal. And it was nearly the perfect start. And Raul's penalty was terrible, wasn't it? Probably should have got retaken, but I'm sure we'll get into that. And yeah, started off well. 
And then it, after that, it just became a survival job and we got absolutely battered for like 75 minutes. <laughs> we'll get into that penalty straight away. Tom, just before we go on to Peter Walton, obviously ex-referee and current swat, it seems, uh, when it comes <laughs> to uh, decisions. But what were your thoughts on it? I mean, to be honest, everyone was talking about the goalkeeper's foot being off the line to begin with. But then at halftime, it was all about the encroachment. Well, I've sort of made a rod for my own back with VAR by arguing against it all season so then I can't when there's something so fractional in our favour I can't then say oh well it should be you know it's got to work for us as well although you know you hope for consistency I just think that's the key word similar to in cricket you have the same uh, system every ball there's an LBW appeal they check where it pitched they check where it hit the batsman they check where it's going to hit the stumps there should be the same format for a penalty or for an offside even, and it should be as quick as, was he in line or was he just whack a line across or have a look at the players out encroaching on the box or the goalkeeper off the line. I don't. I didn't mind so much at halftime when we thought it was just the, the goalkeeper because I thought it was so marginal that, and I wasn't sure what the rule was either because I knew that in the Premier League they weren't checking that at all, were they, throughout the season? But then all of a sudden UEFA have decided that they are going to check it in these games. So... I can forgive that, but or I can't not. forgive the yeah, well, or not yeah, or the I can't forgive the encroachment because we um, we fell foul of that back at Christmas time as well. It's just yeah. the argument still remains that VAR is not fit for purpose. It's not fit for the for professional football, and until these little things are ironed out, in they should be like tested in. I know they test it in the Confederations Cup and things like that, and the World Cup even. It's not fit for purpose still. Let's hear Peter Walton, BT Sport. This is at full time. But the more uh, important one for me is the encroachment side of things, but the VAR should also be checking to make sure that it's a legitimate penalty kick. And as we can see here, there was what, what encroachment by the defender, but not only did the defender, the defender gets in directly involved in the play. And under the law, if the encroachment happens in that instance where the defender gets directly involved in play, the kick should have been retaken and it should have been picked up by the VAR. There's, there's two people in the, uh, in the booth. There's the VAR and his assistant VAR. And they would both be looking at the broadcasting pictures that we are seeing. And they would be looking at all the different angles as well. I'm actually quite uh, amazed they've missed the encroachment side of things because that, as Glenn said, is very, very clear and is one that we can look back on in hindsight and say that was an easy decision. The goalkeeper on the line, however, I still think there's you know, fractions involved there and the VAR would have been looking at that um, direction across the goal line, not from the back of the goal, because that may give you uh, a bit of a, a false you know, dynamic. But uh, under, understandably, there'll be a bit of hardship in Wolverhampton this evening because the encroachment one, I can't defend. But ultimately, their training should have kicked in and they should have realised there's two instances on a penalty and they're looking for those two instances and they've missed one. Harry, I want to bring you just off the the back of uh, Peter Walton there. So um, just get your thoughts on what he said. Well, first of all, what I will say, I was watching that live at the time and it just like rubbed salt in the wounds after being gutted (laughs) anyway. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it, it should have been retaken. But at the end of the day... Throughout the whole game, we wasn't good enough anyway. But yeah, the consistency with VAR is the reason why they should scrap it. It's not consistent. Ralph's just mentioned there, we had, against Man City, we had to retake one, didn't we? Or was it, sorry, Sterling had to retake yeah. one. We've had it, yeah. had it happen to us. And mm-hmm. we have had been so unlucky this season with VAR decisions, apart from the one against Olympiacos where the offside was given in our favour. It's been horrendous for us. So the consistency is terrible. 
they've got to sort it out. I've seen some quotes from I think like the, the whoever's ahead of it all. He I said think. that like in a couple of years' time they'll be really good at it. So the things like this won't happen. <laughs> Have we got a couple of years to keep making these stupid inconsistent mistakes, which it was brought in to stop human error and things like that? It's almost as worse as when there was like the Lampard one or something. Obviously, there was everyone was up in arms about that. But at the moment, every other week, VAR's doing stuff like this, and it's every week we're talking about it. So, yeah, it should have been retaken. But in the grand scheme of things, maybe the game would have been different if we would have retaken it and scored that goal. We'd have had something to hold on for. But it was so mm. early. I think Sevilla are such a good team. They probably would have ended up beating us anyway. But I don't know. And it could have been that all-English tie in the next round with Manchester United waiting in the wings. But obviously Bono in goal um, definitely did find what he was looking for and <laughs> save that penalty from Raul. But they knew each other from their Atletico Madrid days. So they knew a little bit about him. And actually, when you look at Raul's last uh, eight penalties, all of which he scored, um, you know, it's probably, probably is, was quite a good educated guess in all fairness. But like I say, probably should have been taken again. And to be honest, I would have fancied him probably putting it away but it's really easy to obviously say that um, with hindsight and uh, it not having actually happened um, Tom how disappointing is this in the grand scheme of things I, you know, in the heat of the moment and the, the disappointment of the result yesterday I sort of put on the group that it was this sort of result is the difference between signing someone like Ruben Diaz and having to sell Raul or Traore that's what it seems to me yeah, well, immediately after the game, I tweeted that we'd bottled it and then had a few uh, replies saying that I was wrong to say that. However, it it did feel like... I, going into the game, I was expecting Wolves to lose, even though I tweeted again earlier in the day that I wasn't expecting Wolves to lose. I thought that it would take a huge effort for us to get past Sevilla. I thought they were, on paper the experience that they've had in this competition was going to be too much for us to handle. So I'm not too disappointed in the manner that we went out, but I just feel it was a little bit of a toothless display, really. The first 15 minutes I thought was fantastic and the way that we went at them and Traore ran through the midfield and ran through the the uh, defence to win that penalty. But then it just sort of all came to a shuddering halt after about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, whether their heads dropped because of the penalty miss. But we just couldn't seem to get any sort of momentum or any foothold in the game at all. Uh, and, you know, Sevilla just showed their persistence, their experience, keeping the ball on the edge of the area and waiting for that moment. I mean, it took them 12 corners, but they took one short and then, you know, Hoddle said that it was Cody's fault for not pushing the defence up or whoever it was to blame. It's just a little lack of experience at this level that ultimately cost us. But I'm not as disappointed as I was uh, like from the Watford semi-final. We didn't blow it, but it, we just didn't really go for it. Harry, is there calls to, to question big game management from Nuno? I mean, we, we saw it. I mean, Tom mentioned it there, the Watford semi-final, uh, arguably also against um, Sheffield United and Burnley, is that Wolves sitting back and trying to grind out a result doesn't really work. And um, mm. it, it certainly didn't work last night either. I think that's pretty harsh to say that. I wouldn't say that. Like, Severe were the favourites for me. Maybe not massive favourites, but they were. We, we kind of knew that we were going to sit back and try and make it on the counter. I think the biggest factor for me is the fatigue, really. I mean, let's be honest. What have we used? 20 to 21 players this season. We started 380-odd days ago, maybe more if you count the Asia Trophy. Like, it's been a weird season, as we know, with the coronavirus. And people say, oh, my God, you know, we've had a two-month break. The players should be all right. It weren't really like a proper break, was it? They were still training. Their heads were probably all over the place, wondering when they were going to come back. So, in terms of fatigue... 
I think that played a massive part last night. They looked dead. Like going forward after the 20 minute stage, we'd look like we had nothing to offer, but we defended like heroes at times. So you can't, you can't criticise their effort defensively, but it was a lack of concentration. But going forward, I think the fatigue in the season, Raul's played so many games at top. Like, I'm surprised you just didn't crawl off the pitch at the end. So yeah, disappointing. But fatigue for me is why we lost. On on the point then of the um of the big game management, it, can you can you think of a game under Nuno that has been um expertly executed in terms of 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 sealing uh, either a nil nil or a one nil? I'll give you the best example. Uh, Tottenham away last season, uh, one nil down at half time. He was just stay in the game, and in the last twenty minutes or so, three goals from uh, Bolly. Uh, Jimenez and uh, Costa, Costa won us that game. Although it's not that's a, a, not, not little a little bit game. different, isn't it? Do you mean I, I know what you mean? So you mean just like a, a massive game? I mean, you could probably put um, saying that it was only the first leg and we conceded two late goals. I was going to say Torino away was a massive game, but I know what you mean. You mean like huge, like obviously a semi final, a quarter final. I, I mean, I mean something. I mean something where you're not when you're not trying to attack to score goals I mean defending oh. a, a lead uh, I don't I can't um, think of one and I can think of plenty where it's been Cardiff away <laughs> two penalties I mean, we, we, <laughs> two penalty saves right yes yeah. one at the bar yeah uh, we defend like against Man City away we we literally if we'd have had the energy against Sevilla than we did against Man City there when we won 2-0 away maybe it'd be a different story but obviously that was much earlier on the season but also we'd just come back from Basicta so Tactically, mm. we tried to do that against Sevilla, but we just didn't have anything up top, did we? Really, after the twenty minutes, I don't think we've got enough of a plan B either. We've got two formations. One is play for a nil-nil. One is we're playing against a poor team. We'll try and win two-nil. There's nothing in between. There's no, there's no fluidity between the two. We can't change between the two during a game. We, we have, have we ever successfully played for a nil-nil? No, that's, that's... <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yes, it's all these things, but they, they've never they've never happened. I mean, the Cardiff game is a prime example of almost throwing it away completely. You mm. know, easily on any other day could have lost that game. Tottenham at home last season was a smash and grab as well. Um, what I'll do now is uh, bring in Nuno post match. They made us run, and uh, we made a big effort to to control. But of course, there were people in the players in the pitch that give everything, everything, and. Of course, the, the legs, the legs and the, the brain doesn't doesn't work so good. But like I said before, I think um, we must be proud of ourselves, admitting that we made some mistakes during this season that we have to to rectify to to be able to compete um, in a higher level because the Premier League and Europe to play against tough opponents. Um, and if we must work harder on small details so we become stronger and uh, these situations and happen again and we be able to compete against uh, such a good team. It's a short break, you cannot stop and, and, and start again. We have to now prepare well um, this, this period that, uh, that we have to, to rest and prepare really well the beginning of it. This is what we, we look and the best way is look at things, how we did things. Um, it's a small squad. We must be very proud. And now we we need we need to, to make good decisions, uh, so we cannot uh, make mistakes like we did before. We need more 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 players that can help us. So Harry, it's probably the least cryptic I think he's probably yeah. ever been, and it's probably yeah. the most he's ever seen. And actually, that interview in full was four minutes long, and to get four minutes out of Nuno, <laughs> um, that isn't just the word proud repeated uh, over and over again. What does he mean by? 
we need players that are going to match the occasion. Yeah, well, I was... That is probably the most honest Nuno's been for a while, isn't it? When you think about it. I was, when I was watching it, I was like, but yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be like this. Considering him saying we need more players, I was quite shocked at that. Is that a message to Jeff Sheehan that? To, you know, we've got a splash of money. Um, players for big games. I mean, our, our transfer window just like... We've said it so many times that we could throw now. Uh, the defender I forget now is horrendous Vallejo. Jesus Vallejo yeah, Jesus indeed yeah. Jordal got injured I think Neto's probably the only one who can hold his head high at the new lads who come in so Poland. maybe this means the next this little window we got coming up we need to if we do sign that many players four I think maybe he's saying we need to get players that can potentially be starters like Neto's tried to do so maybe that's what he means but that to me seems like he's sending a message to Jeff Sheehan Co but yeah very honest from Nuno and I think he's uh he just was disappointed, wasn't he? You could see how disappointed he was and he obviously wants to get better. Tom, if uh, Nuno has meant it in the way that Harry has just said then, do you think Jeff she's going to say something along the lines of, well, you've actually, you did sign Pedence in January and you like to play with a 19-man squad. All of a sudden, a suspension and an injury come along to two first-team players and you're talking about problems about strength in depth. This problem seems well, to be in a 19-man squad, doesn't it? I um I, I don't read too much into those comments from last night because after the after that interview there's another press conference obviously and he said about how they do their business is through constant dialogue and through respect and common sense so I don't think I don't think there's a rift or anything between Jeff Shee and Nuno or a, a change in ideal I think they both agree that a small squad is the way that Nuno wants to do it um, but if you're saying <sighs> I know that we've only got 20, 21 players we used all last season. That's supplemented by higher class youngsters than we're used to. So rather than bringing in the likes of Niall Ennis, who now plays for Doncaster, we're bringing in somebody like <laughs> Jordao, who's just come from Lazio. So it's that, that kind of difference. But we do need to add a considerable amount of quality to the first team. Um, I'm not worried either about attracting top players because of the the quality of player that we managed to attract when we didn't have European football however you know what you said earlier on in the podcast about being able to attract Ruben Diaz and now having to sell players perhaps to to break even or whatever it might be but I think that we can attract good quality players but maybe not the highest world class players that we would have done had we been in the Champions League, of course. And one of the players, of course, that's been there from start to finish and played every single minute in the Premier League this season was our captain. That's the first I've heard of that, to be honest, I think. We'd have asked the question if we knew, but listen, you, you try and ask the question about anything against teams like that to try and get a little bit of an advantage, but we didn't know that on the pitch. That's the first I've heard of it, but there was a few sloppy ones all night, but we don't look at that. Listen, we, we've had a sucker punch in the 87th minute or whatever it is, and honestly, like I said, like I mentioned before, I don't really know what to say because the competition we wanted, we said before the game, we wanted to try and do something special, and we're absolutely gutted with how it turned out. I know you've talked about how much you've enjoyed the European ride. I know it's been wonderful for you. How much do you want to be back playing this? I know you don't have it next season. How much desire does this sort of stir up to sort of get back to that and just do even better next season? More than ever. More than ever. I've loved every part of the competition. The competition's amazing. And if people are to say otherwise, they're telling you wrong. It's, it's an incredible competition to travel around Europe, how we've done it. And by the way, I take very much pride in how our club's gone about it this year because we could have gone about it different ways. We, we've took it in our stride. We said right at the start, we didn't want to make up the numbers. And listen, we've got to the last stage and an incredible achievement for a team who was in the Championship three, four years ago. So we look at it and listen, we, we, we want to get back more than ever. We find it mad. Our, 
I'm gutting now we're not in it next year when we got more points than last. So it's a bit mad, but we're taking on the chin and we go again next season to try and get better. Clearly gutted about it, Tom. And, you know, he is a leader, but we were talking about transfers. Do you know, does he need competition in that place? Absolutely. I think there's him and Doherty both need at least competition, if not somebody of higher quality to come in and, and replace them. In fact, I've written a starting 11 out for next season and the only one of the back three for me that stays in is Bolly because I think Sace can be a little bit of a liability, a little bit of a hothead and picking up lots of yellow cards. Cody, 14 yellow cards this season for Sace. Yeah. The only time he didn't is when he was going to pick up two match suspension if he picked up that 10th one a few games ago. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah you avoided it. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it's difficult because you get absolute pelters on Twitter or anything if you suggest that Cody's done anything wrong because he's this all-conquering hero that has played every minute and he's amazing. But if we have ambitions to be a top four club or to even higher than that, then we're going to have to move past and evolve past players like Conor Cody, which is a shame because he's been a fantastic servant over the last five years. But you can't have lofty ambitions. You can't want Wolves to be a top club if you're still going to hold on to somebody who's likely to make five or six mistakes throughout the season and cost you... I don't know how many points he's cost us, but he's you know he's good for an own goal, isn't he? Every other game, or <laughs> and there's only only so much waving of his arms that you can put up with when we're losing one nil. That um, you know, but I'm a big fan of his. I really, really am. But, uh... <laughs> what I will say, just to play a bit of devil's advocate, I think. I know you said you'd only have Bolly, but in the last two games against Olympiacos, we were holding on as well, weren't we? I think that we defended quite well, didn't we? I agree. I think we do need to strengthen those areas. Doherty looked absolutely shattered last night again. But yeah, but who who would come in as cover for Cody? Because I think while Nuno is manager, in my opinion, Cody's not going anywhere. I think he loves yeah. him. I think he's just going to be the, the he's like the number one man on the team sheet. I think because of his leadership qualities. You know my thoughts on what I think he's like as a defender, but. Does add other stuff, but yeah, the defense defended heroically at times last night and against Olympiacos. So I do agree, though, we do need more maybe replacements for like say Stoughty, like you mentioned, maybe even Cody. But I thought Vanagre did well last night, and I was really worried about mm. him. I thought it would struggle, and I thought he had a good game. So maybe need cover there, but I don't think we'll replace as many as you think. To be honest, I think we might just bring a few in as rotation or cover with the Premier League and the domestic cup competitions to look forward to uh, next season and nothing else unfortunately just the way it goes and um, you know we had plenty of chances to um, to make it into Europe next season either of the competitions but what would you rate this Europa League campaign out of 10 Harry I mean I've, we've got a little bit of a montage to play at the end that will be ending obviously on a happier note um, <laughs> as this is all still quite raw at the moment but I can remember when we were talking about it and everyone was just so excited about those glamour ties um, like your Sevillas and, and Olympiacos and teams like that. And it's been a long old slog. It's been a 59-game season across all competitions, which is just incredible. And, you know, you mentioned fatigue and I think it's absolutely right to do that. But when you look back on this, if I'd have offered you um, this stage of the competition, quarterfinals, first one in 48 years for Wolves, I imagine you'd have snapped my whole arm off. 100% at the beginning of the season we said top 10 and like at least the quarterfinals in the Europa League would be buzzing but it's just a shame we haven't qualified next year like Cody said we've got more points than last year and still we're not going to have Europa League football next year it's been incredible I'd give it like an 8 out of 10 I mean at one point 
at one point, I honestly thought we were going to win it. I said it a few times, but I think with what's happened with lockdown and no fans being there, I think mm. the, if the fans could have travelled, it could have made a huge difference. But it hasn't, has it? It's a shame the way it's ended. And honestly, this year, Turin comes to mind. Some of the best memories following Wolves ever for me. It, I'm glad we made the most of it because yeah. in the back of my head, I was like, we'll get another chance next year. Don't worry about it. But the fact now we're not, I'm glad we yeah. did make the most of it and go to like the three or four we did. Yeah, so I predicted uh, Wolves to get to the quarterfinal back in September, I think it was, once we'd qualified. But to go back to this time last year, I would have been just happy enough to qualify for the competition proper because we've seen so many teams in the past get to the yeah. point that we got to and then fail against some random team from out in Azerbaijan. So we would, we did really well. I mean, it's funny to laugh in hindsight that we were taking the Crusaders game so seriously and the Punic game so seriously. <laughs> but if, we'd, if we hadn't have done, if we'd have sent out the under-23s, we might not have had all these great moments that we've had throughout the year and... Even the ones that modeling you, because I didn't go to as many away games as you have done, but the the home games as well. The home games weren't as, like, the atmosphere wasn't as raucous as I was expecting it to be. But I think if we'd have got to the knockout stages and, you know, the game last night, had that been at Molyneux, I think we would have seen a different result purely because of the, the atmosphere. But it's been a very, very enjoyable experience on the whole uh, and would recommend to any middle of the road football clubs like we are uh, and I'm glad I'm really glad that we took it so seriously from from the first whistle and out of 10 would you say uh, same as Harry I say between 8 and 9 very very good I think the one thing that maybe uh, dampens it down a little bit for me is is knowing what is going to happen now in the transfer market that's the only thing that I really really worry about I think I'd certainly would agree with you and Harry that it's been a phenomenal season it's been amazing I mean to go and see Wolves playing in European competition at some of the grounds that we've been at uh, in some of the countries we've been to has just been phenomenal Um, but I think if you ask me what I think it would be out of 10 when the transfer window shuts and we've (laughs) kept hold of everybody that we want to keep hold of then I'd put this down as a 10 out of 10 yeah. All, all day long uh, because I don't you know the teams that are left in that competition mm. uh, I, I said it on, on the radio this morning is that I thought if we beat Sevilla last night we'd win the competition and I thought if they beat us they'll win it and, and I do think that because I think they're head and shoulders about every, above everybody else left in the competition uh, it's a shame that we just came across them so early you know because it, it would have been a lot better to have a so-called lesser team although I think we, we perfectly matched them yeah okay we had 25% possession but it was more about soaking it up and mm. uh, absorbing that pressure um, but yeah it's uh, it's been been an incredible incredible season and hopes for next season Harry would you say I, I think mostly I'm looking forward to A getting back in, into the ground at some point yeah. hopefully you never know um, but also playing at 3 o'clock on a Saturday and not, not so many of those dour Sunday <laughs> games because I know a lot yeah. of people in the mainstream media who maybe don't watch Wolves and just see headlines sort of go oh it's brilliant how you've uh, juggled European football mm. and, and Premier League football just brilliantly but you know some of those Sunday games I know we talk about the Brighton game quite a lot but some of them were absolutely dire yeah well time of recording right now I've got no idea what's going to happen next year with Wolves like you say the transfer window is still going to happen 
will like this crazy mad season will the break be enough for a lot of them to recover you just don't know and I don't like the fact that we still know that there's going to be no crowd for at least until at least October but it could be extended more which is annoying I agree with you mate I can't wait to get back in there I can't wait for Saturday games again but I'd take the dodgy Sunday games to get back into Europe I'll tell you that for free so yeah no idea what's going to happen next year depends on who we keep who we sign how we how fast we recover from this tiny break we're getting and yeah no idea what's going to happen I don't agree with what Adrian Durham was saying today on TalkSport, <laughs> that there's a chance of us getting relegated. I don't think we're that bad, even if we did lose a couple. I think we would bring a few. Because our recruitment, apart from what we've mentioned with Catrona and that, has been pretty good, hasn't it, Like in previous uh, transfer windows before last. So, yeah, I think we'll be fine. But whether we're pushing up towards the top six again and get an opportunity like we did this year, I'm not too sure. We're definitely due a good transfer window, aren't we? We've had quite a few bad ones in a row now, but... I'm quite looking forward to next season despite not being able to go to the ground um, and I don't anticipate us being able to go to the ground at all next season but really yeah I think it's going to be that long I don't agree with it I think you should be you start doing things at your own risk now but any, but I think that's that's a conversation for a different podcast but um, I'm I, strangely and maybe you can clip this up and play it back to me once we've lost all our stars but I don't think and I'm not worried about <laughs> losing many players particularly I think Neves in particular Neves, Patricio and Moutinho and Jimenez was the spine of the team if we keep all of those players then that's that's fine I think we can afford to lose somebody like Traore and cash in on his amazing season because I don't think that he's going to be able to sustain that over a prolonged period of time if without the distraction of Europe whether that gives us the chance to go and have a really good domestic comp- you know, cup run I'd really like that I'd really like to win one of the two cup competitions and I think that should be the priority for the team next season is to win one of them which secures you European football as well, well ex- exactly yeah. and then without playing on a Thursday as well who knows what this team could achieve by playing one game a week. There's nothing stopping them from finishing comfortably in the top three. We, I think that Leicester would have done it had the lockdown not have happened. So I think, and I think we as good as Leicester, Leicester didn't have European football last year and they were, they were superb. So there's nothing stopping us from doing a very similar job to them. No. And I, I think it's, you know, it's good times ahead, isn't it? I think, you know, everyone talks about Traore. I mean, God, you'd take 80 million for him, wouldn't you, Harry? Uh, I love him, so it's tough to just be like, yep, get rid. But I do agree with Tom. I'm not get rid. I mean, I mean, if someone comes in... Yeah, yeah, him, yeah. Then, yeah. If, it's, know, if it's an offer, you just can't refuse. Yeah, I agree with that. But I agree with Tom in a way that, can he have a season like this again? Like, how long? How long's, He's only young, isn't he? But yeah, he'd have to be a big, big offer. And because of his age, we probably would get a big offer. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't... I'd be gutted, but I'd understand. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Is 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 it Raul or Traore that's more important? Wow. I think this season Traore's been the better player for me. I know Raul scored so many mm. goals. I suppose both of them. Those two have been... How many goals have they contributed them to this year? Like, both of them, probably level par, but... If, I had to, if you put a gun to my head, I'd probably say Traore's been the better. Tom, when we're talking about bringing in players and obviously bringing in quality players, it's not about filling out um, sort of squad numbers at the moment... Whose places do you reckon next season are going to be under threat? I mean, the first name that springs to mind he just hasn't done it um, since the lockdown started is Jota. Yeah, if it, I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with some boys who were like talking about squads for next year, and I said looking at Jota's market value, which is twenty eight and a half million, 
I'd sell him in a heartbeat for that sort of price at the moment. I think he's a shadow of the play that we've seen in previous seasons. So I think he can can go. I'm a little bit worried about Matinho and how he's sort of dropped off post-restart. I don't think he's been the same Matinho that we've seen uh, before that. Whether that's because of his age, whether that's because it's been such a long season and, and then having that big break in the middle of it has really been detrimental for him. I don't know. But that's the... That's another key area I think we need to be looking at for, maybe not for next season, but the season after, because Moutinho is not going to last forever. Um, hopefully Neves will have grown into that player, but then we need the understudy to him, if you like, in a couple of years. So there's quite a few, but I think we need another wide attacking player. I know that we've got quite a few, Neto, Podence, Traore, Jota, but I think two of those will be going during the summer. Uh and then we need a central striker as well. We need a backup to Jimenez, 100%. Uh, Harry Matinho is 34 next month. Yeah, but it, I agree. Since lockdown we've come back, he hasn't been his usual self. Obviously, he got took off early last night. Well, I say early, about the 70th minute. But you always hear these stories that he's uh, one of the fittest lads in the squad. He wins all mm. the fitness tests and all that. So I think there's another year in him. But I, I can oh, see yeah, why you're yeah. concerned. But yeah, I'd keep him. Maybe he's just... It's just a weird weird time isn't it I think he'll be fine and he's still one of our best players in my opinion and uh, we'll just finish off with uh, let's have, let's have, let's have a, a league position for next season finish off with that for, try and finish on a positive <laughs> if we keep our squads we've got now and like don't lose many in that I'll say we're going to I'll go six I'll go one one better uh, I'm going to go even better than that I'm going I'm to say fourth fourth excellent right I think we'll uh, push for the Premier League title uh, <laughs> let's say goodbye then to Harry Mantle where's this montage Sam where is it oh, I'm going to play it now oh, mate don't worry don't yeah, worry I was really looking forward to listening to this you've got Pavarotti in the background yeah yeah. no Pavarotti no we'll come away from the uh, from the old style yeah, uh, okay. we'll say goodbye to Tom Rass cheerio and we'll leave you with a montage of European football when we were in the sort of the depths of League One, I always used to say that when we had the conversation, what would you want to see, you know, Wolves do in your lifetime? And I always said, I want them to see them play in Europe. Really, I'm more excited for this, this, this like chance that we've now got, than I probably was for the FA Cup semi-final, which I know sounds mad, so I'd love the FA Cup too, but this is like a, a whole new frontier of football for us. And fair enough, we probably didn't get the glamour tie that we wanted now, but given who we have been drawn against, it's there down the line. And some of the teams that we've seen been drawn today, imagine a trip away to Roma or somewhere like that. Really some, the Spanish leaguers have got Getafe, Sevilla and Espanyol who've qualified directly for the Europa League. But obviously, Espanyol, yeah. Barcelona. I wanted that team that was in Cyprus. That was my bit because they had a 40, I forget the name of it, but they had a 14,000 capacity, didn't they? So out of, Did they as well? Oh. Yeah, so out of the whole draw, that's what I wanted. We've got some great stuff from Wolves currently enjoying a European tour. I love it when sides that don't normally get to go on European adventures get to have one. And this is Wolves having a ball. It's the road to Torino. Right, so here we are. Beginning of the Grand Torino. As you can see, got the Molyneux. Picked up the hire car. Now, I'm on a team that are flying and getting the bus and getting a train. And hopefully we beat Seb, Harry, and Lou, who are driving. Three of us are going by public transport, three of us are going by car, and it's a race to Turin so we can get there first at a bar in the Venetian Square. Right, we're about an hour in, um, and we're in traffic. 
We're in traffic. I don't think we're going to beat you, lads, because we're going to miss our train. We can't even say Folkestone right anyway. So, <laughs> what do you think chances are, Jack? So, I'm just glad I ain't got to sit in the car for 18 hours. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. See you in Turin. We're going to be there for quarter to seven. And we are destined to get there at 10 past 7, so I think we're going to miss our first train, but hopefully uh, get the next one. So we've just been told that these steps are stuck to the airplane wheels. They're stuck to the airplane wheels, which means we can't go anywhere. But we started the flight really well when the pilot said, are you ready to go to Basel? And everybody said, no, we'd like to go to Zurich, please. So it's going very well so far. We're about two hours into France. We don't go to sleep. We're going to be there in about eight hours, lads. We are flying. Dig it. We're landing, baby. Ooh. All rocking the Sylvester's landing. Uh, guys, keep it going. You're doing a great job. I wish I was. That drive's really fun because these are these I wish painful. I was in a car. Oh, Public cool. transport sucks. Rubbish. Alright, I'll have you know, we've all had eight cans each, motherfuckers. <laughs> Not even tired. We haven't even seen a car yet. Just woken up in Zurich. Um, yeah, our plan of getting a night's sleep. What we're hoping is that the lads in the car have bottled it, they've gone to sleep, and we can't get hold of them, so we're guessing they've fallen over somewhere, they've gone to sleep. Just passing the Swiss border now. We're a bit knackered, we've only had it. We tried to have two hours sleep, it didn't really work. But incredible views around here. <laughs> Next stop, turn in. So here we are, on a train in Milan. And the others have long since finished, haven't they, Dan? They have, they are at a bar with a beer. Three more uh, pints, please. <laughs> 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 Thursday morning, um, yesterday was mental, as you'd have seen from the vlogs. You're all kicking off in the square, Wolves fans fighting each other, police slapping everyone. <laughs> so yeah, let's get some more clips today. Your predictions, we're already 4-0 up. We're already 4-0 up. We are. It's just going to be a bit of a laugh, isn't it? Yeah. Wherever you're going to be watching from, we're in the away end. Yeah. And what it's going to be like, we get one goal and it's basically over. And it's yeah. And yeah. Then it's so, Are you still looking forward to it, even though it's over? I don't know, I don't know whether I'd want some riding on it or whether yeah. I'd want it to sort of like be a party like it's going to be probably. Um, I'm going to say we're going to draw one or something, it'll be pretty boring. The result, yeah. As long as it's not 5-0 press back goal, the result doesn't matter. So. 
the European adventure goes on for Wolves through to the last 16. Not in the type of style that perhaps Nuno would have liked, but the tie-in truth was winning Wolverhampton a week ago. Dreaming is for free, and the Odyssey goes on. Wolves' continental voyage, tens of thousands of miles, over 12 and a half months of glamour and glitz, circuitous travel and torturous toil, and there will be more. European quarter-finalists for the first time since Bill McGarry's boys, nigh on 50 years ago. This indefatigable troop of men marching next to Duisburg, Germany, where on Tuesday next they will dispute with Sevilla a place in the semi-final of the Europa League. Such a heartbreaking fashion. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's a, it's a tough one to take, honestly. It's something where... It'll take a long time to get over, I thought. Listen, every single player in that team has left everything out on that pitch today, over the last year, and we said before we wanted to do something special and we were very nearly there, but listen, it wasn't meant to be, and listen, we're gutted. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, to be honest with you, we were absolutely gutted. It's crushing, it hurts, it's the hope that kills you, but it's the lack of it that's terminal. Sports Social Podcast Network.